0: Welcome to the Kings Anywhere Podcast, inspirational teaching wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Well, hello, and welcome to our podcast, the Kings Anywhere Podcast, for the week beginning the 22nd of February 2021. My name's Paul, I'm part of the leadership team here at Kings, and I lead our worship academy. As well as our young adults work at Yak, um, it's within that bit of being worship academy that I think I've been asked to to look at this theme today. We are looking, as you know, at an ongoing series here at Kings called Everyday Disciples. A disciple can be translated in many different ways, and probably one of the best ways of translating it is a follower or a learner. A person who wants to be more like the person that they're following, who wants to live in the way that they lived, who wants to do things the way that they did things, who wants to make a difference in the way that they made a difference. And as everyday followers of Jesus, what are the things that we can do each day, every day, giving a structure and a pattern to our lives which can help us to become more like him and to live in a way that would make him famous in our town and beyond. I've got a number of different P's for you this week that we're going to think about. And my first P is the preamble. It's something which I want to say before we really get into the the thoughts of worship every day. And it's that that statement, really, that worship is a lifestyle and more than a song. Matt Redman wrote that that song years ago um, where he, he talks about, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. It's this reminder to us that worship, yes, it includes singing and it includes music, but it is so much more than that. We are looking, aren't we, at our verse for the year. And our verse for the year this year, Joshua 24, verse 15 says, Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves today. That's a daily choice. It's a choice which we make once and for all in one sense when we become a follower of Jesus. But every day, what choices do we make that are going to make us live our lives more like him? Worship is one of those choices. And yes, of course, it includes music, but it is so much more than that. I remember hearing someone say a number of years ago, We're, you know the only part of a, of a Sunday service that God gets anything from is the worship you know, the, the person was preaching and said, you know, do we honestly think that God the Father turns to God the Son in the middle of a preach and says, I'm hey, listen to this, I've never come across this idea before. Of course he doesn't. But I also think that is a massive oversimplification of what a Sunday gathering is about and of what worship is about. We've not got kids, we have a cat and a lion. That's a lion, not a lion. That would be a very different household. But we do have... Um, A lot of involvement and a lot of experience working with young people. Uh, Rach and I have both worked in education for many years. Rach full time as a teacher and myself as a chaplain in education for a long time. When you go to an assembly where you've got a whole class involved, don't tell me that the parents are only interested when the kids are singing. Of course they're not. They love it when they uh, do an introduction, when they do a reading, when they tell some information that they've been learning, when they do a drama, when they do a prayer. All of those things, because the kids are doing them for their families and for the people who are watching that assembly, all of those things make the people who are involved and who are watching happy. They make them celebrate the stuff that their kids are doing. In a very similar way, I think that God looks at our whole life not just at the songs we sing, and do the things that we do, do the choices that we make, make God smile. God smiles. the Bible says that God smiles, and in one part of the Bible it says that he rejoices over you is singing, he dances, he literally stands up that the verse can be translated, He literally stands up, dances, and spins around, whooping when he thinks about you is that your picture of god is that how you imagine god behaving when he thinks about you well he does the bible says that so it's true that's how god views you and i want to live in such a way that i just make him want to dance even more that's not just about my songs that's about how we behave at work how we are with our families how we are with our friends how we are on the sports field how we are when we're playing instruments, how we are when we're driving, scary thoughts, how we are in our relationships with people in our communities, how we serve well. Yes, how we behave and how we act and how we serve in our church family. All of these things are acts of worship. So my preamble, the first P, of course worship is about songs and music, but it is so much more than that. That being said... I think the reason I've been asked to look at this theme as the leader of Worship Academy is that we are going to think for a little while about that musical aspect of worship, our singing, our interaction with God, with that incredible tool that we call sung worship, that we call musical worship, that we choose to do each day, whether that is through singing or through other tools, but each day how we set aside time to worship God in a very, uh, thought through and structured way not just in the way that we live our lives. So for the next little while we're going to think about a few more Ps. The first two things I want to look at is what worship is not. The first thing that I want to suggest worship is not is it is not posterity. Of course we look back at what God did in the past and we look at what God has done in our own lives and in our own experiences but worship Cannot be stuck in what God did 20 years ago. I love my memories of uh, times, particularly in the 90s and the early noughties, where there was just a real move of God in our church, in our nation, in our world. It was exciting. You'd turn up to your, your Sundays and your your midweek stuff that you were doing, and there was a genuine sense of anything could happen here because God's here. They were exciting times. I think back to times at Stony Bible Week which were just really shaping for me as a follower of Jesus and as a worshipper. Some of those songs at the time were really, really groundbreaking and were so helpful in our worship. I think back to some of the great worship leaders who have have moved us forward in our worship in recent decades. I think of people like Graeme Kendrick, who was a real groundbreaker. I think of people like Noel Richards who was so significant in shaping me as a worshipper and as a worship leader. Love Europe in the mid-90s was a really significant time for me and actually being in that sort of conference environment with Noel and the team uh, leading worship um, was just really key and significant in my life and I thank God for those people but Last week, Darren spoke about that verse in Lamentations, which has been made famous, uh, I guess, in, in that amazing hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Yes, a superb hymn, an old hymn, an historic hymn, which helps us to worship. But what do the words say? Your mercies are new every morning. God's got something fresh for us every day. If you look at historic moves of God I can't think of any which weren't accompanied by songwriting, where people were writing songs out of what God was doing in that moment. God is a God of today as much as he is a God of tomorrow and as much as he is a God of yesterday. I thank God for those times at Stormly and and that kind of time. But folks, Stormly ended 20 years ago this year. If our times and our worship experiences are stuck in a high watermark from 20 years ago, we're really missing something. John Wimber famously said, Some of the biggest opposers of what God is doing now are the biggest supporters of what he did last. God help me to not be someone who holds on so much to what God did before that I can't run with what God is doing now. Some of those songs from history are outstanding, or we mustn't lose them, but equally we can't pretend that they hold the same weight as scripture they don't the great songs, and there are great songs being written now, which in twenty thirty, a hundred years' time, people may well still look back on and say, Wow, they were incredible, but God is a god of now, so worship is not just posterity. another p that worship is not is not about our preference. What do you enjoy? Of course, we all have our favourite songs. If I were to ask you to think what worship songs have been really key for you, what What would your answer be? Maybe ever think about that now, what worship songs have helped you to meet with God and why? For me, I think of songs like Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble? A great song uh, by Martin Smith and Delirious, which really helped me to, to think that worship music can be something even bigger than what I'd experienced before. I think of songs like We Will Dance, David Ruiz song from the 90s, which was just a great song of hope for the future. I think of songs like There Is A Day, another amazing song about our hope as Christians. But I also think of songs from now, which help me to meet with God now. I think of songs uh, like uh, that, that one Do It Again, which just helps me to, to just see my faith rise, God We've seen you move the mountains and I believe you're going to do it again. We've seen God move in the past, but God is a God who's going to do stuff now. Great songs, even written today, which are helpful in our worship. I love those things. We all have preferences. Of course we do. But let's not, as David Campbell says, let our preference become a prejudice. What if God does something next with a musical style that you don't enjoy I remember Noel Richards um, again at Love Europe talking about what music is there in heaven and he you know he says will there be rock music yeah will there be classical music yeah will there be jazz music yeah and then he says will there be country and western I'm afraid there probably will of course he's joking there are so many styles of worship and God can use all of them there's not a spiritual type of music and a non-spiritual type of music. Music is neutral. It is powerful, of course it is, but style is neutral. It's, it's taste, that's what it is. And let's not let our taste become something which stops us from engaging with God. Music is an incredible tool. When you think in the Bible of times when um, Saul was going through a really difficult spell... And he's being bothered by an evil spirit. He brings in David to come and play. And David plays music. And as David plays, the spirit that was bothering Saul leaves him alone. It moves. It stops bothering him. Because there's power in just even the notes of music. Yes, there are incredible things that can happen when music is used but then you add lyrics, you add words and it goes to a whole new place because now we're not just feeling the power of that music, we're also sensing the power of the words too, the poetry which helps us to think about maybe a certain aspects of God's character or of something that God's done before or he's going to do again. Taste is of course important. I think about times when, uh, in the past, I did a course with St Melitus College, a Church of England college, and every day when we met, we would worship together. And that worship would have lots of different styles. I learned a whole respect for today's styles of worship. I learned a whole respect for some of the old liturgies of, of, of the Church of England, which helped me to meet with God. Are they my personal taste? no. But let's not confuse taste and style with theology. They're not the same thing. Worship is a great tool, music is a great tool, but our worship is not about our preference. As David Campbell says, I've mentioned it earlier, let's never let our preference become a prejudice. So, three P's so far. Preamble Choose for yourselves today whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's worship God with our actions. Every day with our choices. Worship is not posterity, looking back at what God did back there and thinking that's our high watermark, we'll never get there again. Worship is not about our preference, it's not about thinking about what styles do I enjoy, well they're the only ones God can use. Of course not. So that's what it's not. But what is it? I want to suggest that daily worship is about priority. That's the next P, priority. Priority. How do we prioritise our time that we spend with God? What does priority look like? Do you remember when you had to get tickets before Ticketmaster existed and and online uh, sites that let you get the tickets now? Do you remember when, like, if your team got to the Challenge Cup final or the FA Cup final, you'd have to be queuing around the stadium from, like, the night before or 3 o'clock in the morning, otherwise you just wouldn't get a ticket? That's what priority looks like. Getting up, doing something. I'm just going to push the door to because the telly's on next door and I think you can hear it. There we go. I'm back with you. That's what uh, priority looks like. It's saying this is so important. It's going to have an impact on what I'm going to do. Think about when you, you know, getting a ticket for a concert. Take that concert ticket. are so coming out on a certain time or a certain day. How many people have got like six computers open in front of them and... You know, trying to get all of the sites, looking for tickets so that one of them might get on there. That's what priority looks like. It impacts on our actions. Do we prioritise time spent with God? I saw a quote on social media a few weeks ago and it has really stuck with me. You see, yes, I'm talking about how we worship individually, set aside time with God. But I'm also talking about um, worship corporately in our huddles, in our missional households, missional communities, bases, celebrations. We make time for the things which matter to us. This quote says this, instead of saying I don't have time, try saying it's not a priority and see how that feels. We make time for so many things in our days. We make time for so many things in our lives. Do we make time? To spend it with Jesus, either individually or corporately. Folks, if we can't find the time to meet together or to worship individually, then there's something wrong with our time management. I remember reading a book, I mentioned Love Europe, reading a book that was heavily promoted there, which said, too busy not to pray. We have to find time to spend it with God in worship and in prayer. And things like Bible reading will help us in our worship. There are some great songs in the Bible, aren't there? I remember having an interesting conversation in a chat room with someone one time where I described David as an incredible songwriter who actually just spent time worshipping with his, his instruments and who wrote some of those songs down. And some of them are probably better than others, just like any other songwriter. I got absolutely lambasted by a couple of people who said, you can't possibly say that David didn't write some good songs. Well, you know what? David did write some good songs, but I'm sure he probably wrote some stinkers as well. And the likelihood is those stinkers didn't make it into the book of Psalms. He was a songwriter like any other songwriter. And some songs help and some songs we'll just put them down and leave them. You know, but he, I think, wrote songs out of his experience with God. He wrote songs out of spending time in God's presence. He prioritised his time with his father. And in doing that, creativity flowed. Let's choose to prioritise our time with God each day. Next thing, our next P We spoke at YAC a few days ago about um, a study which has been done looking at various churches all around the world in lots of different contexts who are doing a good job of connecting with young adults and the question was asked of the churches, of the church leaders and of the young adults who are in those churches, what is it that makes this church family a place that you want to belong in and what was interesting is that they all came back to the same conclusion It wasn't about how amazing the building was, although having a building which was significant and which did look good and which did feel good, a good place to be, was helpful. It wasn't the most important thing. It wasn't about how good the music was or how good the lighting show was. Again, it came up there as something which really helped people to meet with God. It wasn't insignificant, but it wasn't the most important thing. It wasn't about how good the small groups were, whether they called them missional communities or home groups or clubs or whatever they called them. The language didn't matter. Yes, that was significant, but it wasn't the most important thing. All of the studies said that the most important thing was the passion that was felt in that church family. Passion for worship, passion for being together, passion for serving the community, passion for friendships and relationships, passion for Jesus. It was the passion which set those places apart as being churches where young adults wanted to be. And we chatted about that as a missional community at YAC and we we actually agreed that, yeah, those other things are really important. No one is saying they don't matter, but what we're saying is they're not as important as being a place where passionate followers of Jesus are meeting together. We talked about, does that then mean that passion um, is, is about our body language and things like that? Is it possible to be a passionate introvert? Yes, of course it is. Passion is not just about our body language. Of course, our body language, our facial expression will show how passionate we are many times, a lot of the time. If you don't believe me, go to a football match with an introvert. I remember going watching Everton once um, and the guy came and sat next to me, I didn't know, he was just some, some stranger who had a seat next to me in the stand, brought a book. The game kicked off and he sat there reading a book through the match. Now, maybe you might be thinking, well, he was watching Everton, of course he could do that. But, I got the feeling that it, didn't, it wouldn't matter what team he was supporting. This guy was going to read and watch the football at the same time. But the minute something exciting started happening, the minute Everton scored a goal, the book got put down and this guy was on his feet, shouting and cheering. Did he dance around all over the place? Was he hugging me? No, but it was clear that he was passionate about the football. But he was also an introvert. I think that passion does show. I think that passion shows by um, what we talk about. I think it shows in our faces. I think it shows in our expectancy, our expectation of God to move when we meet together. I think that if you're passionate in worship, it will show in your face. That doesn't mean that, you know, we will always be smiling. There are some incredible passionate verses in some of those psalms where David is really struggling. There are some passionate verses in the book of Lamentations, which we looked at last week, which are sad, which are painful, which are are, are difficult. But passion can still be seen in that position, in that place. Watchman Nee, a church leader from history, uh, wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. And in that book, he said this. He said, by the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everybody thinks he has a fever. Are we followers of Jesus, where our passion to be in his presence, to be with other followers of Jesus and to see people becoming followers of Jesus, are we the kind of people where that passion for those three different dimensions of our life as Christians, where it is so obvious that people can't help but notice it? I think we have a choice in how passionate we are for worship. And I want to challenge all of us, me as much as anybody, to be more passionate in our worship. Our next P is plan. Have a plan. We like to go to um, Orlando. We, we, We don't go every year. Of course we don't. We couldn't afford that. But we do save and every four or five years or so we tend to try and go to Orlando. And we have a plan yeah of course there are times when it's just organic what are we going to do today and but they tend to be within confines boundaries that we've already planned months before what we're going to do each day we literally have a diary we have a um like a a picture of each day and what we're going to do each day what park we're going to go to when we're going to go shopping when we're going to just be in the villa what are we going to do each day And then when we get to those parts or when we get into the villa on a villa day or whatever it is, then we decide what we're going to do while we're there. But there's already a plan. We've created that structure and having that structure allows us then to have the freedom to do lots of things within it. I want to suggest that having a plan for daily worship will really help us and will help us to keep our worship fresh. Create that plan. Have a balanced diet. Have times in worship where you're just quiet. Have times in worship where you're using YouTube or Spotify or something like that to really worship God with songs and videos and tools which have been produced. Use our virtual band stuff which we've created to help you worship God. You'll find all of those on Facebook and YouTube. Use things like the YouVersion Bible app, which has uh, daily reading plans. We use them in Yak all the time. They help us to worship God through his word, through the Bible. And then to have conversations in the app with one another and to spur one another on to keep using that tool to worship. Even in the Bible, you will see a structure. In, In Acts 2, it talks about what the disciples and the, the apostles, those early followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to daily. And one of them is prayer. They devoted themselves daily to prayer. But actually, that word has been slightly mistranslated. It's actually got a definite article in front of it. It literally says, devoted themselves to the prayers. Now, I I believe that these guys had some real freedom in their worship. But that verse suggests that they had some structured prayer that they would use in their day. Maybe it was something from the Psalms. Maybe it was something from Scripture. Maybe it was ways of praying that they'd come up with themselves. Maybe it was the the prayer that Jesus taught them when he said, this is how you can pray. Whatever it was, the prayers, they had a structure to how they prayed. And I think that really helps us. You know what when we choose songs for worship academy what we're going to use in in our celebrations our bases and we're creating like song lists of what our new songs are going to be we think about that we pray about that we set lots of things into consideration what songs is god using around the world what songs speak into where we're at now what songs have we written as a band recently which talk about what god's doing now um what songs are direct from from Bible verses, which are going to help us now. But what we then do is we send those out to the team for a little while to worship with them before we learn them and record them and use them. We have a plan, we have a structure as to what we're going to do. I use um, Spotify playlists a lot to help me to worship. Uh, ESWC uh, 2019, I think it's called, playlist on Spotify, is a really helpful Playlist. It's the Ealing Sound Worship Conference uh, from 18 months ago. It was a fantastic conference, but on there it's got a playlist of all the songs that we used over that two day conference. And we use, not all of them, but we use a lot of those songs at King's. So if I just want some time to worship as I'm driving to work or driving to see someone, then I have that playlist playing in my car. It means that I don't waste the time in the car. It's a structure to my day. It helps me to worship as I'm on my journey. And it's got songs which I know we use currently and songs which we may use in the future. And songs which we may never use but which I've used in the past to help me meet with Jesus. And as a playlist it really helps me to worship God. It helps me in my plan. So have a plan every day of how you're going to worship Okay, so we've talked about our preamble. We've talked about how worship is more than just songs. We've talked about how worship is not just looking back at what God did in the past. We've talked about that it's more than just our preference. It's beyond what style of music we like, so much more than that. It's actually about, do we have a priority to worship God? It's about the passion that we bring to our worship. It's about having a plan and a structure. And then finally, I want us to think about our posture in worship. That's the last P. There are lots and lots of different postures that are uh, used in the Bible in worship. We were thinking about how um, certain things that we do in life bring about a different posture. On the uh, Kings Anywhere live stream on Sunday, I showed a picture of someone, a a guy um, with lights, obviously lots of music, his hands in the air. Very obviously a picture of worship. And yet it was a Coldplay gig at Old Trafford, one of the best gigs I've ever been to. It wasn't a worship experience, but the music and the atmosphere and the emotion drew this fella to raise his hands in what would resemble any worship service that you would go to. We were talking at Yak about why is it that when someone scores a try or scores a goal, people throw their hands in the air. It seems to be the natural thing to do. That passion causes a physical response and people seem to want to reach up. Why? Why is that? What is it about that posture that helps us? I think our, our posture is really important. Are we active or passive in our worship? There are lots of different postures that the Bible talks about. In Nehemiah 9 verse 5 it talks about standing in the presence of God standing in worship. In Psalm 47 verse 6 it talks about singing songs of praise to God. In Psalm 27 verse 6 it talks about shouting in our worship. In 1 Timothy 2 verse 8 it talks about raising holy hands in worship. In Psalm 149 verse 3 it talks about dancing with all of our might before God. In Psalm 95 verse 6, it talks about kneeling in reverence before God. In Genesis 17 verse 3, it actually talks about lying with our face down before God, prostrate before him, just because of his, that sense of his holiness. In Psalm 47 verse 1, it talks about clapping as a way of praising God. In Psalm 33 verse 2, it talks about using instruments as tools to help us in our worship. In Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2, it talks about being awestruck before God. I would suggest that our posture in worship is really, really helpful. And it is one of the ways that demonstrates our passion for worship. I've looked and the, the one that I struggle to see is sitting down. Now, I'm not, obviously, I'm not talking about People who cannot stand—that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when, when sitting down is a a, a picture of being passive rather than being active. We've all sat and watched TV, um, and maybe there's been something on the telly, and you're not really that bothered. It's the and you kind of you're playing a game on your phone, or you're on social media, and the screen is still showing the TV show or the match or whatever it is. I hope my posture shows that I'm not really that interested in what's going on there. It it gives away my passivity. But then saints are on or whatever and I'm interested in that. And so now the phone's down and my focus is on the screen and I might be shouting or jumping or dancing or whatever it might be. It's really interesting that our posture uh, demonstrates how active we are in that moment. So like I said, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about what people physically can't do. What I am talking about is how our posture gives away our passion. And I want to challenge you, challenge all of us that, you know, when we are in that place of worship, what an incredible privilege it is. We are getting to spend time with the king of the universe and beyond. That should show in our posture. And I want to challenge all of us. So maybe in our worship, whether that's individually or in missional community, missional household based celebration, wherever, why not try a different posture and see if that different posture helps you to experience a place of worship in a different way. Someone once said, if being a follower of Jesus was illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Of course, that's talking about more than our posture in worship. Of course it is. It's talking about how we serve our communities, what what we're like at work. Are we known as a positive person? Are we known as an encourager? All of that is part of that. But I want to suggest that our worship posture and activity is also one of the evidences. So, a recap as we come to a close today. Worship is so much more than songs. But it does include songs. God is alive, and as such, He is doing things now just as much as He did things in the past. God is alive and active right now, so let our worship be current and active right now. But God can also use things from the past. How much of the Bible is the about the writers saying, Do you remember when God did this? When you think of the people of Israel wandering through the wilderness where they put a pile of rocks as an altar to mark a significant event and then the next time they come to that pile of rocks it reminds them of what God did then. God can use things from the past but let's not use them as an anchor point that we never move on from but rather let them stir us to worship God currently. Don't let your preference become a prejudice. Worship is not about taste. Don't confuse style with theology they are different things priority is your time with God a priority I want to say that quote again instead of saying I don't have time try saying it's not a priority and see how that feels are we going to prioritize our time with God and with one another as followers of Jesus passion does your face show your passion let's be passionate followers of Jesus Do we have a plan? Do we structure our day in such a way that we will use some of the incredible tools that are out there to help us to worship God as everyday followers of Jesus? And does your posture help you to worship or does it hinder you in your worship? Could a new posture be a key to unlock a new element of your relationship with God? Dave Fellingham, a great worship leader, once said, Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. When we are in a place of worship, let's be clear that the things we're saying to God, he hears them. So let's live in such a way that show that we're not just going to use those words, but those words are going to help us to serve him better, to meet with him in a very real way, and to give him the glory and the praise that he deserves. So my three real challenges that I want us to think about as we go into the rest of this week are these. If you feel that you're stuck somewhere in the past in your worship experience, why not seek God that he will help you to meet with him in the present? Second one, if you know that you are not living in a way that demonstrates that you are passionate for Jesus in your worship, in your Bible reading, in how you live. Then why not today ask God to fill you afresh with his Holy Spirit that you can be more passionate in your worship. And then finally, why not create a plan that you're going to use that's going to help you to worship God every day? That plan might be as simple as, I'm going to get up on a Wednesday morning at 8.30 and I'm going to use the Come and Sing tool on Facebook where Lou Fellingham and Nathan Fellingham are going to lead some worship for half an hour and it's going to help me to meet with God. When I'm not actively having to drive to work, then, you know, I I try to join in that half an hour of worship. It's part of my structure on a Wednesday. If I am in work and I, I can't use it then, I go back to it later in the day and use that half hour. It's part of my plan that helps me to worship. I have a time in my day where I'm going to get my Bible on my phone and I'm going to read it and it's going to help me in my worship. Have a plan. And let's really see that maybe that might be a key to unlocking your Next moves in your relationship with God. So let's pray together as we close. God, I thank you that you invite us into a relationship with you. And part of that relationship includes worship. Yes, it includes worship corporately. It's so important that we commit our time and our efforts and our energy to meeting together in celebration, in base, in missional communities, missional households. Those things matter. And God, I thank you for those expressions of worship in those spaces. But thank you that you also invite us to a place of intimacy, of worship with you, uh, maybe just on our own or with our families. Help us, I pray God, in these coming days to be everyday disciples, everyday followers of Jesus, who every day choose to meet with you in our worship experience. Be with us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.